My name is CJ. I am the Youth and Young Adults Minister here at Deer Run, and I'm excited because we are starting a new series for the month of December. We are kind of taking a pause in our Daniel series. For those of you that have been following along, we just finished Daniel chapters 1 through 6. Now we're going to introduce a new series, and then at the end of December and at the beginning of the new year, we're going to pick Daniel back up for chapters 7 through 12. Now this series is one focusing on the topic of generosity, but before you get up and bolt to the doors and head out, I want to explain that this is not your typical giving series, okay? This series is kind of going to focus on this emphasis of generosity for the next four weeks. Three of those weeks, we're going to be exploring what generosity looks like in the scope of community, relationships, and of course, finances. So though this isn't entirely about money, I promise you that conversation will come up soon enough. And then we're going to cap the series off with how Jesus exemplifies these different forms of generosity. So when I was young, my parents set an example of what generosity looks like. It was important for them to teach me what generosity was, and so I got to witness as they were generous, not just with their finances or with their wallet, but also with their skills, with their abilities, and as well as their knowledge. And so as a witness to these things, I began to grow up with this importance of being generous with what I had. So even though I was young and I didn't really have money, I was taught that I could be generous with my time in setting up chairs in the church before I was a teen. Another time, being able to be taught to be generous with my community, our church and the grounds that we keep here are very important, and so I remember dedicating a weekend out of my uh, summer to relax to help landscape the entrance, and I'll tell you, at that age, I couldn't run a chainsaw, but I was allowed to pull weeds and pile up brush and all of that to get loaded to the woods. And some of you may actually know, I don't have the best singing voice, but when we went Christmas caroling, I was taught you could at least take the bells and jingle them while we sing. So there was always something that was being taught that showed I can be generous with what I have. So when I left for college, I began to look for these opportunities to be generous. Now, I didn't get a job until I was a sophomore, but I knew I want to explore express my generosity to the community that I'm new in, in whatever way possible. And so I found a local homeless shelter that I decided to help, and I got a group of friends, and we were going to the homeless shelter to just clean their kitchen. Now, I'm not going to get into that story because it is wild, it's long, and it's a little funny. But there were other ways that I was given opportunities to be generous as well. One of my other favorite ones was I partnered with a church And we walked around the neighborhood praying for the community there. And when we happened to find people who were willing to stop and talk with us, we would pray with them as well as specific needs that they had. And throughout college, I looked for these different opportunities and I found ways to be able to be generous. And eventually, one of the, probably the most difficult one was my roommate broke his ankle. Later, he became my best friend. And during these recovery weeks, I decided I need to help this guy because no one else is going to. And so I brought him his homework from classes. I would drive him from our dorm to the classrooms that he had. 
I would bring his food from the cafeteria. And understand, I don't, I don't say all this to pat myself on the back or to receive the praise of my peers, but I want to make it clear that generosity goes beyond your wallet, beyond your finances. And so you're probably familiar with the phrase, give back to your community. How many of you guys heard this phrase? I love the idea to give back to our communities because it's almost expected that if you receive any benefit from your community, it ought to be reciprocated. And I like that idea. However, it's a give-to-get mentality. And as Christians, we've been uh, taught that we need to go above the standard. And this mentality becomes really prevalent in tighter communities. And so for those of you who have students that are in sports programs, you kind of know what these smaller communities are like. Maybe some of you are a part of homeschooling groups. Others may be connected in social gatherings like appreciation days or support groups. And what I love is that the South Bend, Mishawaka area offers a wide variety of ways to just offer free services and events simply because they recognize that it's important to build up a relationship between organizations and individuals. And so I I bring all this up to kind of get you to think of a question. When was the last time that you gave to the community before you were asked to give back? As Christians, we're asked to go beyond this standard, and so in order for us to give back to our community, it requires that our community first gives to us. And so this morning, we're talking about the importance of giving to our community without the requirement of receiving from it first. And it's my desire for this message that everyone walk out of here with one simple principle in their mind that they kind of naturally gravitate their thoughts towards. And that is that generosity begins in the heart before it comes from the wallet. I think there's a danger in thinking the opposite, though, that generosity is all about money. Because if we were to come up with a theoretical point of view that if all we did was give, we would end up with piles of money and no one actually using it. No one actually putting the money to work. No one actually doing the work that's required that that money would fund. And so finding a use for the money actually becomes equally important as giving it. And so understand that some of you may be here this morning unable to give money, but I want to make it clear that you can still be generous, not sort of generous, not, oh, they're generous in their own kind of way, truly generous. Before we get into our text, I want to share an example of what that looks like. In 2017, I attended ICOM, the International Convention on Missions. And they had different classes that a group of us were able to attend. In one particular class, a guy was talking about how they wanted their church to make a difference in their community, which, understand, this is a challenge for churches all across America. Churches always struggle on how they can actually make a difference where they are at. And so during this class, this, uh, the speaker talked about their church deciding, we want to make a difference by supporting a local school. And so they called the school up and they said, hey, we have an idea. We want to just be generous and give you something. How do you think, what do you think it would be like if we held a fundraiser, raised money, and then cut you a check and sent it to you without any expectation of you guys uh, earning this check from us or any kind of stipulations? It's, it's a no-strings-attached gift. 
And later, a representative of the school board contacted the church and said, listen, we have tons of donors. We have lots of people wanting to do fundraisers and give us money, but what we really need is someone to just come and paint our gym, and we can't find anyone. And so this church, rather than getting a group of people and hosting different events to write a check, they got a group of people together, committed to helping the school. They sent people over and painted the whole gym and became an influencer, not just within the school, but they became a presence within their community as a church that makes a difference. And I loved that example. So we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 25 today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to it. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. If you have a phone and you like to use a Bible app, you can use whichever one you want. But I would encourage you to use the YouVersion Bible app. On that one, we have our sermon notes listed, and you can use that to take your notes as well. Just go to the events page, and you can find it pretty easily. So Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46 Jesus talks about impacting the community and how, its effect, how it affects the kingdom as a whole. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and all will separate, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of my brothers, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you didn't do it for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. If I could summarize all these verses into one sentence, what I get from this is that what we do for our community, we do for Christ. And this is an interesting concept because the least of these seem not to be close friends, but they seem to be strangers. 
They seem to be the, the passerby on your way to work. It seems to be your, your student's teacher that you don't really get along with, but you only see once a quarter, so it's bearable. These are the kind of people that don't have a close interaction, but they're people nonetheless. And they're important to God. And they're important to Jesus. And Jesus is saying that if you're not caring for these people, you have no care for me. And I find this interesting because if Jesus were physically here in our church, right? If he was here and he went to any one of us and asked us for help, we would immediately help him, no questions asked. We would do the best of our capability to make sure that his needs were met. But if it was an addict that blew all his money, oh man, that's a different story, isn't it? You know, we'd look at that kind of person and wonder, well, well how else are they going to learn their lesson unless we let them deal with their consequences first? But this scenario that Jesus is giving, this, this description, it isn't one of selfish versus selflessness. It's actually seeing a need and doing the work. Jesus doesn't focus on the why or the how. You know, why did you end up in this circumstance? How did you fall so far from what you could have been? But these are the questions we often ask to those that we want to help. We begin to ask our own questions because we require more information than what is necessary. And sometimes we even ask things internally to ourselves. Well, what can I benefit from this? If I help this person, what is in it for me? And Jesus makes no explanation on why people helped each other. He just says, what you did for them, you have done for me. This topic actually becomes one of utmost importance. In fact, community involvement seems to be the greatest factor in whether a person will attend your church or find a different one. Another convention that I went to, this was in, I believe it was 2014. Believe it or not, I've slept since then, so I can't quite remember. But it was a National Preacher's Summit. And this particular convention focused on millennials. Those are people my age, or in other words, the 20-somethings. And this particular one was talking about how, uh, how millennials can be reached by the church. And so lots of different platforms were taken up, whether it was on outreach or involvement, or opportunities to just make millennials feel important. So lots of discussions were held about why millennials are absent from churches, what would it take to bring them back to churches, and if they're not involved in a church, how are they growing closer to God? And so lots of discussions came around, and the largest takeaway was like a gut-punch sentence. I think I've shared this from this pulpit before. One particular preacher was saying that this epidemic is happening not because that millennials feel irrelevant. He said, millennials are leaving your church not because they feel irrelevant, but because your church is irrelevant. And that left a sour taste in my mouth. It bothered me because I've never felt that way. I've always felt cared for by my church. But if we look at the numbers in a whole, there are lots of people my age that have been leaving churches for years. People my age who have been in churches with their parents all throughout their lives and then they graduate high school and they go to college and they start looking at the way different churches operate and then they decide, well, these churches make a difference, but my church at home doesn't seem to do the things that they do. 
And then they begin questioning all the teaching that they've been through. They begin questioning all kinds of things. And eventually, they feel abandoned by the church because churches don't care about us. They care about different people or different things. And over a course of time, they begin to feel like the church is irrelevant. And so at its core function, and I mean this is part of our mission statement, our churches in, the, in America believe that we are to be a beacon of hope to communities around us. And it becomes apparent though, or almost like a, like a disservice to the communities, that they actually conceal themselves. You know, I prayed earlier that I pray that we are like a city on a hill, a light that can't be hidden. But so often there are churches in America that will hide themselves from communities that they don't want to associate themselves with. There are places that the church needs to be in order to have influence on its community that in our area I just don't see. And it's, and it's a bit of like a slap on the wrist, but it also comes down to our responsibility too. Churches ought to be actively involved in the schools that are in their area, but it's incredibly difficult to even get in the doors, let alone become an influencer. Churches ought to provide support groups for people that are struggling and even counseling sessions for free for anyone who needs it. But sometimes those are the people we want to hide from. And so leaving the building itself to become encouraging in places where it otherwise wouldn't happen starts to be a little scary. And I love what this one organization did. This particular group recognized that there's a great need and a demographic of people that would otherwise be totally ignored. Their name was Triple X Church. XXX Church. And what this church decided to do is that they wanted to focus on giving support to women that are stuck in the pornography industry. They wanted to be able to help people overcome their addictions that came fueled by their own lust. And they also wanted to minister to people who even got caught in the illegal aspects of the adult entertainment industry. And out of this desire, they began their ministry by attending all kinds of different adult expos, including Vice, which is known as the largest pornography expo in the world. And what they did was they bought a booth. They spent thousands of dollars to set up a booth that held a banner that only said XXX Church. And as women would walk around, they offered to touch up their makeup for free. Now, these women were scandalously dressed, and their whole purpose of being in these expos is to draw attention to other booths of salesmen and, and filmmakers and all kinds of stuff. That is their sole purpose. But this booth by XX Church, Triple X Church, wanted to offer to touch up their makeup. And as the women would come to their booths, someone inside their organization would approach the women and whisper in their ears and say, listen, if you feel trapped, held against your will, or otherwise stuck in your current circumstances, we have women strategically placed in the bathroom that will not only help you escape this, but to also find you something better. And I just love this approach because from there, any woman that took this offer. They were greeted with open arms to be freed from the trap that they got stuck in and offered a new way to support themselves and their family. But that is incredibly risky. What church would want to be associated with that kind of demographic? I mean, the, the first thought of it sounds unappealing. The first thought of it sounds like, whoa, you want to do what? You want to host a booth where? But it's, it's risky, but this is where 
ministry is needed. When I think of the least of these, I think of these people that are trapped in this kind of situation. Powerless to get out on their own and making it impossible to find escape. The XXX church movement wasn't one that happened overnight, though. It took deliberate preparation, training, and a closeness to God for themselves not to fall into the trap. You see, beyond millennials, people have been leaving churches because there are real needs that simply aren't being met. And if we desire to stay relevant, dear Ron, if we desire to be generous, we need to be observant and see the needs in our community and not just throw money at it, but to actually act, to do the work that's required. We can't just assume that a check is going to solve the problem, but we can take the check and put it to work. We can do the work that's required to make a difference in our community. One of the areas that we do very well I had already mentioned it, and you guys are going to hear us talk about Angel Tree quite a bit during this season. Angel Tree is an organization that helps incarcerated parents give their children a Christmas that they otherwise wouldn't have. And so Angel Tree, with the help of other churches, gives out families. And these families are from homes of of incarcerated parents, and they give them a list. So-and-so's father in this prison was able to communicate to them and knows that his son wants, wants race cars and his daughter wants to get ice skates and so on. And so the churches get that and then we fund that mission and then we deliver those presents to the families. And it's incredible the impact that I've seen in our community, not only from complete strangers, but other people who say, I know that church, I've heard of you before. And we get to pray with them. And it's such an incredible feeling seeing tears well up in people's eyes knowing that not only are they loved, but their children are loved. That their incarcerated parents are loved by the church. It's incredible, and I think we've done this so well. And it's sad to say that in Indiana, there are 29,000 residents that are imprisoned on either the state or federal level. And as that continues to grow, our church has committed to taking on more families and more children. And understand, it is hard. It is not easy getting all these families and making the phone calls and planning when to deliver things. It takes a lot of work and preparation. But I tell you, that is kingdom work. And God could not be any happier with the stuff that we are doing for this organization and those families. I'm incredibly proud of what we do for them. But shouldn't end there, right? We shouldn't just get our, our warm fuzzies once a year. We ought to be doing more stuff year-round. And we have everything that we need at our disposal to keep that fire running. We have tender hearts in our, in our church that want to love people. And we have a community that desperately needs to be loved. And to top it all off, we have the best example of what love truly looks like, thanks to our Lord and Savior. Generosity begins in the heart before it comes from the wallet. There are endless ways that you can be generous to your community that won't cost you a penny. If you do a little bit of searching around, you can actually find ways to be generous without ever opening your wallet. Some of these ways may include helping schools. If you want to help your school, especially if you have students in those schools, 
you can volunteer to be a tutor or even a teacher's assistant and actually have an active role in the classrooms that your students are in. If you want to improve your environment, you could take a little bit of time and clean up a local park or even a playground. Even if you want to just be a good neighbor, you can pick up a rake, you can fire up a, uh, a lawnmower. I almost forgot what it's called because I never do that. No, I'm kidding. But you can help people around you and do simple things that won't cost you anything at all. And it can benefit the area that you're in. And the more that happens, the more your generosity is going to grow. I think one of the biggest encouragements that I was given is to just be observant. Anytime you look around and you think someone ought to do this or that, you ought to look inwardly and consider, am I that someone? Should I be that person to make a difference? And as you begin to invest, your generosity is going to grow and grow, and it won't take long before a habit becomes a lifestyle. And then a lifestyle becomes a family tradition. And then your family tradition becomes a mission of the church. And what started as one individual making one change can be how a church stays relevant and stays generous in the community that they're planted in. Generosity begins in the heart before it comes from the wallet. Around this season, we tend to draw closer together. Christmas is just something that always brings us closer together, not just one another, but to also those strangers in our communities, the, the least of these, so to speak. And I love that we can not just take this and... and make a small thing about it, but that we can fully embrace generosity during this season. I wonder what it would look like if when we chose to fully embrace generosity, what kind of change it can make in these next 30 days. I believe that if we were to do that, we would start taking one step closer to keeping our church relevant here in Michiana. I believe that if we fully embrace generosity, you know those Hallmark movies where they give you the warm fuzzies and you're like, oh, that was sweet. I believe that can be a reality in our lives and the lives of those that we help. I believe that we can take a group of people or even a family or even just an individual that felt abandoned by the American church and show them the love that God truly has for them and the love that our church has for them. I believe a whole lot can change in our lives and our community if we begin with one step. So church, I want to encourage you to be alert. Observe what's around you, the people, the places, the events that you may attend, and ask yourself, what can I do to help? What can I do to make a difference? What can I do to be generous for my community? Step in for the glory of God, and as Christ said, what you do for the least of those people, you have done for Him. Generosity begins in the heart before it ever comes from the wallet.